Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cannabis Karaoke, where we ask you to grab the mic and tell your story. Get inside info from today's most interesting cannabis pioneers, and from the first note to the end of the song, listen up as you get to hear the stories of success on Cannabis Karaoke. All right, we're back with another episode of Cannabis Karaoke, and today's guest is a well-esteemed person in the industry. Uh, we're going to speak with Josh from Moxie. He does marketing and a few other things over there, but I'm going to go ahead and let him do a small intro on himself, and then let's chop it up. Welcome to the show, Josh. Hey. Hey, thanks, man. I'm psyched to be here. Love your show. Um, I'm Josh Karchmer. I am the marketing guy at Moxie. I do uh, everything, pretty much. Uh, the social media, all of our content, oversee all the content, video and photos, uh, run our Team Moxie Bud Tender training education program, and all those things. But yeah, st- st- stoked to be here, man. Well, we were, you know, we started getting into the conversation off air a little bit around the space, uh, how to operate within the space, money in the space, employees in the space. But before we get to that, I, you know, the whole premise of the show is to really, you know, why cannabis? What, what about cannabis interested you and what led you down the path to get where you're at? And then we'll start talking a little bit about how you operate in the space. Oh, awesome, man. Well, I mean, cannabis, cannabis has played a big part of my life. Um, I mean, going on, I guess, 30 years now. Um, it's been a, been a constant, uh, a constant part of my life. I didn't know how I was going to fit into the industry though. You know, so I've worked in other things like cannabis, is actually my third career. I did, uh, like a decade in the music business. I was an artist. Then I later, I worked for record companies. I was the product manager on like who let the dogs out <laughs> What? Like, garbage. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I've worked on a lot of records, a lot of pop records, um, and then I left, I hated working on records. I didn't, wasn't passionate about, and I left, I started a management company and I managed a bunch of major label artists, like in the I don't know, early to mid two thousands. And then, um, who were some of those artists just yeah. to name drop? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, from a name drop, I, 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 the biggest band I had was a band called the Juliana theory who are on Epic. We never sold more than like 150,000 albums per record or whatever, but a lot of the bands that we took out on tour ended up going on to be very successful. So like, you know, we took like uh, Fallout Boy and Dashboard Confessional and Coheed and Cambria and bands like that out on the road early on and then um, watched them eat our lunch, basically. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then, uh, you know, and I passed on bands that I, you know, I probably shouldn't have passed on, but um, but I loved it. I, that was a small boutique roster and I worked with bands I loved. Um, I did that till about 2006, 2007. And, um, then I got into the advertising industry. So I, uh, it's long story short, but like I went over to the, my first step was, uh, went over to the clothing company Hurley and I helped them launch their brand studio. So I was like there for nine months shooting all like the, the surf and skate videos. It was also my first foray into production. So doing all that kind of stuff and working with athletes and, um, and then started working with brands. Like one of the things I did was I put Hurley together with Toyota and Toyota gave us a bunch of money to go shoot videos for the Toyota Sequoia when it came out in 2008. And we just smashed that project. And, um, I thought about it. I was like, Oh shit, you know, why am I at Hurley? I should just go start a production company. So, uh, my partner and I, you know, started a production company and I did that. It was called level four. And I did that for 10 years. I was directing and producing commercials and branded content for, I mean, everybody, Chevy, Kia, Microsoft, brands like that. And we still did a lot of stuff in music too. I did like, uh, yeah, produced a lot of music videos and concert films for like Zach Brown band and Jason Braz and Van Morrison and Colby Calais and artists like that too. So a lot of production. Um, I bet yeah, we, I, I'm, used to work. I'm pretty sure, sorry to interrupt you. I'm pretty sure we've had cocktails somewhere because my background was action sports for 20 plus years. Um, I, oh, dope. yeah, I own Santa Cruz surf shop. If you have a bad story about it, don't tell it now. But, um, <laughs> I remember when Bob split off from, you know, and started Hurley and one of my really good friends here in town, uh, up until recently, I think he might even still be on as, uh, Nat Young, you know, surfing for Hurley, but Hurley was a game changer. So it sounds like you were from your history. It sounds like you've always been in a progressive space. You've always been a little bit more counterculture, if you will, to your approach, how did you transfer from music and production of music into the cannabis space? Because real quick before you answer that, to me, cannabis and action sports, identical almost in its makeup. 
and same with and same with music like i i came from punk rock and hip-hop you know so i've always been interested in things that are a little bit outside the norm outside the mainstream although i would argue that cannabis is mainstream <laughs> we'll get to that later but um yeah so my, my path into cannabis was um one of the co-founders of moxie billy maddox used to work for me um I've known Billy for 16, I've known him since he was in high school, but he used to edit, um, his cousin was my business partner in the production company and he used to edit for us and shoot. And we used to work that guy like a dog. And now he works me like a dog, uh, <laughs> cause now I work for him. But, um, so like last year I wanted to get out of production the last couple of years, my business and production died with the election pretty much. Um, cause a lot of brands stopped spending money. Uh, so I was really looking for something to do the last couple of years. I was sitting around writing, I was screenwriting and stuff and, and not wanting to do advertising, wasn't sure what to do. And then I linked up with Billy. It was last summer. It was like, I guess almost a year ago. Um, I went and I sat down with Billy. It was right after, you know, adult use. Everybody was in panic mode, trying to get compliant and, and get up to speed to, to play this legal game. And, and I just kind of sat down and we talked, we sat there and talked for like four hours. I just picked his brain about the industry, where it was going. And then by the end of that conversation, I saw it, you know, I saw the future. I was like, okay, this is a consumer package. Good. And they're going to need people who know how to market and know how to do other things. Cause um, you know, Billy, they approached me years ago about possibly getting involved before it was Moxie. And I, you know, I had kids. It was still very, you know, I respect those guys because they went and put their, their freedom on the line to go build this thing, you know, and I, I wasn't ready to do it then, but, um, you know, now in 2019, it's a perfect time for me to get into the industry. Yeah. So how long have you been with Moxie, if I can ask? So they brought me on, um, just at the end of last year. So, um, it was December. So, I mean, I sat down with Billy last summer, we talked, I was like, all right, I'm in. I want to go do this. I don't care about money. I'll intern for you. Just bring me on. And then they said no. So I went and I talked to every other cannabis brand I could in California. And, um, you know, almost took a couple of other jobs. And then my phone rang in December and they were looking for somebody. And um, I originally came in and interviewed for like a sales position. But coming out of that sales position, they said, hey, we've, we've got needs in marketing and you've got that background. So they kind of created a spot for me. It's uh I don't know exactly what I do, but it's the greatest job in the world. That's awesome. You know, I, I think uh, where we align a lot is I, I like to tell stories too. And I, I really feel that the cannabis space is full of stories. And I feel like that's the way you have to connect with customers now. So how, how have the, how have everybody, how's everybody at Moxie reacted to your approach to building a brand? Like what, like explain a little bit about your mindset because music action sports, now cannabis, they do kind of carry the same persona and the brands that are able to talk to the customer are the ones that seem to be the most effective. Yeah. I mean, it, it's all about the customer. Thankfully, and I think the reason that I've had as much success on this job as I have so far is the foundation that the, that the co-founders laid, you know, Moxie has an A1 reputation as being an award-winning concentrate brand the brand that always comes with the fire and it, which is a clear differentiator in the cannabis space because we have a lot of new people starting up who are just, you know, going and sourcing product from elsewhere, branding it and marketing it and selling it. And it's completely undifferentiated from everything else other than branding. Right. But we actually make the product, you know, I can go to the lab and sit with a chemist and, and watch live resin extracts being created. Like, that for me, it's a, it's amazing jumping off point. Right. So I've got this, you know, yeah, OG brand respected brand. And that foundation was there. I just needed to go tell stories about it to reach people who aren't that in that heady community. So it's like, we've got the core. If you have the core and I learned this in the music business, like you don't go and chase. I mean, just think about like Nike, right? When Nike started, they, they didn't go and chase like soccer moms in Nebraska because one day they might wear sneakers. Phil Knight was at every track meet he could, putting them on on the hard course, right? So Moxie had that hardcore foundation, which makes it very easily for me to go and tell that story to, a, you know, to people who are just coming to cannabis. So, and, you know, you guys are really 
following a similar path to what you've experienced in music and in action sports, which is know your customer, focus on knowing your customer, and then expand that niche to where you own the largest slice of the pie in that perspective area. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well put. I mean, the connection to the customer is paramount, right? And like the way, you know, I, I do get out and I talk to customers and I'll go, I'll go to events and I'll be behind the booth hanging out with people at, at high times and, and at sessions and things like that. But the, the, the number one way that, that I'm in connection with them is through Instagram. Like Instagram has been like the number one marketing tool, um, I think in the music or in the, uh, in the cannabis industry. Um, and I never really used it. I never utilized Instagram before January. So it's like, I, I took over the Moxie Instagrams at the end of January and learned that stuff really quickly. But, um, but yeah, we've got 10 accounts. We run them nationwide and I'm in, I'm in contact with bud tenders, stores and customers. I probably touch at least 50 to hundred stores a day and might have that many one-to-one conversations with customers. It's so important. And like that's where you get all the information. It's just so like, that's important. Why I know what people are smoking. I know what they're going to want next. I know what they like. I know what they don't like. Uh, I know what they think of us. I, I know how the perception of us versus our competitors. And like, I can leverage that information to pass on to product development. Uh, I put it into my own marketing. Uh, it's just really valuable and it's real. And people give us that information because we're real and because we're trusted. Well, and I think it's just so important to be boots on the ground. Uh, it's it's a long forgotten path to success. You know, people can come in from the top with money, and we talked about this. You know, come in the top with money and have penetration, but the stability and foundation that you're able to to pour when you're out talking to people face to face and you're getting that feedback. Another thing is people don't want to hear negative feedback. I feel like. Uh, the more that people can tell me what I'm doing wrong, the better I can adjust and perform. And so why, how did Moxie perform before you were aboard? And then now that you're on board and like your approach to the market? I think, well, they just didn't really have anybody focused on the, on the customer at all. You know, it was like Instagram was something that, they'd post to maybe a couple times a week just with like a pro, you know, a product shot and maybe two lines of copy about what it was. And, and that, and then, and then we got on with the business of going and selling, you know? Um, and since I've been here, like I really put a focus on telling stories every day. Um, and also I guess the biggest thing is like in my marketing is that I, we're an authentic brand and I wanted, I wanted our marketing to reflect that. So I basically just put a mirror on everybody. If you go look at our Instagram accounts, if you go look at our photo shoots, our videos, those are all just people that we smoke with. Those are our friends. You know, we're not casting models. We're not looking to buy anything. We're just, we're just trying to involve our hardcore customers in our marketing and making them make them a part of it. And what that's done is, you know, if you, I'm not saying that, that people weren't creating Moxie content before, but if you go look at like what's being created now on a user-generated scale versus what it was six months ago, it's night and day. So it's like maybe in-house we'll create 10 pieces of content, but you know, 40 or 50 pieces of content are being created for us every day by our fans. And uh, that's an so, unfair advantage because that's new. unfair advantage I'm going to say because <laughs> leaving the surf and skate industry, we're all everybody does every single day is talk about themselves and submit their own content everywhere. Uh, it's been a unique approach for you guys to take to the cannabis space because you hit on it early on. A lot of these brands are hiring models, uh, you know, posturing basically or image producing, which isn't a bad marketing angle, but you do have so much more value, especially in social media. It's the way it's been built to operate, which is, you know, you guys have 20,000 followers and your, your engagement is up there, you know, whereas some people have 20,000 followers and they get 10 likes. And so you know that that messaging is falling flat with the consumers that you're trying to approach. So how much do you rely on? And it's, you've already answered this question, but I just want you to restate it. Like, how much do you rely on your imaging through social media? I really want you to nail off the point of why it's important to have your consumers involved in your marketing? Well, 
mean, marketing is, it's creating emotion really. And customers are looking at, at the content that we're creating and they're envisioning themselves, you know? So it's important for me, you know, that everything we do represents the brand so that somebody can see it and, and have that feeling feel the way that we want to. So, I mean, imaging and, uh, you know, do I use models? I, I use people in, in my shots. Um, but there, there's just something different about the way that we do it and the way that everybody else does it, you know, because I guess the other thing too, is like, we'll go do a photo shoot with somebody and we do it on collab. And then the talent will go, you know, I, I, this, I, I just kind of bombed this whole thing. Can you, can we, you're editing later, right? No, no edit. This is all live once we roll. Oh, no. You, edit. Didn't, you didn't bomb. You didn't bomb. Well, yeah, I just for the oh, record. I didn't get to the, I didn't get to the point. No, no, it's fine. Just I for the record, to... just so people know, I scrubbed the intro on this thing about probably four times trying to launch in this podcast because I was trying to do it right with Josh and I ended up just tatering it. So no fair to Josh. He thought we were going to do some post edit. I mean, you were nailing it. You, you, understand the relationship between the consumer and the brand to the point where the best form of marketing is the consumer's use of the brand and being willing to share that. So are you guys, when you utilize your social media, besides using real users in your, in your marketing, are you seeing, do you use hashtag campaign without giving up your secrets? Do you use hashtag campaigns? Like, I mean, I'll tell you exactly. I'll tell you exactly what I do because not everybody else can duplicate it. Well, most people don't want to, it's hard. Well, no, it's, it, no, it's a, it's a ton of work, you know, I, and the first thing I'll say is like, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I start on this, you know, and I do this until about 10 o'clock when I go to bed. So it's like, we're, we're killing ourselves to do this, but it, but it's paying off. Like I can see already with what we've been, what we're investing in Instagram that it's working. Um, so what I've done to, to sort of stimulate and, and encourage people to create their own content was, um, was I created something called Moxie Connect, uh, Creator Network. So, you know, coming from music, coming from, from advertising, I have a huge, you know, I have a lot of really talented friends. And as a brand, we have a lot of talented fans. So we leverage that, you know, we'll do product and, and content collaborations with talented photographers. I mean, there's artists that come to us and say, hey, we just want to make stuff for you. And that's great. You know, and then we just give them the tools, we give them the product, we give them some story and let them go create it for us. You know, we're probably the leanest marketing company in cannabis. But not really, because you know, um, you're using what you're using what you've created as and hype really isn't the proper word, but like investment. You know, the moment you get I'm looking at your Instagram while we're chatting and I'm chuckling because I saw Moxie Tech. Which one are you on? Are you I'm on Enjoy Moxie. Oh, uh, which Oh, you're going to join Moxie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's my friend Lamar. Yeah. Um, he's a super fan of the brand and, um, but you win for Romeo Lacoste. who's a huge, well, I, I, I shot that video, but you um, win. My point is I had my logo. Oh, you win. Yeah, I yeah, had yeah. people tattooing my logo on them, including myself. And you win when that happens. Once you've gotten somebody to indelibly mark themselves with your product, they have so much invested in that brand. And that's why I was so excited to talk to you today because you are kind of right of center, left of center, however you want to coin it, marketing. You're doing it the way most people have to grind it out in music, action, sports, these uh, romantically involved uh, verticals. Cannabis is like everybody wants to talk about their what, what they're smoking, when they're smoking, who they're smoking with, the like. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, yeah, plugging into that and the marketing for Moxie is like, well, okay, well, how does our product, how does Moxie fit into your life? You know, that's it. All the stories that we tell are about our products and, and, and the people that use them and why and how that's it. So, you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's authentic storytelling. It's, it's encouraging people. It's engaging. I mean, every time somebody buys something or, and posts a story and tags us in it, I DM them. I thank them. I ask them where they got it. I ask them how their experience has been. People don't do that anymore. I make house calls. If somebody's upset about something, you know, or, or has a problem, I'll pick up the phone and call them. If it's really bad or if it's something that I can fix by coming over and maybe giving somebody a new battery or handing them a T-shirt or giving them a hug, I go do it. Well, it's so <laughs> you know, important. Like, that's, how you, that's how you win. Well, it's just important in this day and age to – 
have that mentality because you live and die by the sword in this space. Like if you're not, and that's not just in cannabis, it's in general, more social media people need to take that approach to managing their brand because everybody focuses on how many followers they can get and how much interaction they're getting. But it's really two dimensional at that point. We're, you know, I'm a big fan of having that cross communication and and having almost like a virtual round table with people so that, you know, I always look at people that are complaining or throwing shade are the ones that care the most about your brand. And no, so- that's that's absolutely it. The biggest haters, it's jealous. It's like loving. You know, I'm going to butcher a Drake lyric, but like jealousy is love and hate at the same time, right? That's kind of what it is. People, if they're bitching on, on the internet, it's they it's they're crying out for attention, and there's something wrong. You know, with our brand, I usually know what it is. It's usually there's it's price sensitivity because live resin concentrates are expensive and, and people are, you know, now we've addressed that and we have products at lower price points, but, um, but yeah, that's it. So like when somebody's really upset, it's like how you handle that is super important because relationship management or, uh, I mean, reputation management, cannabis, super critical. Yeah. It's, you, you, everybody's, there's a lot of people talking shit, you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, so like, that's the reason that, that it's so important to us to have our hands on, on that conversation because you can nip things in the bud. You can kill rumors. You can do all kinds of things just with a little bit of one-to-one attention. So true. I'm going to pivot because being a concentrate, being a vape pen in this space is not as easy as it sounds. I mean, besides just compliancy, um, you also have counties banning all vaping. So, like, how do you guys deal with number one, which is being a vape business in this space, you guys get beat up. I mean, the dispensary right now is calling the shots, at least in California, where you have to hit certain price points, regardless of your cost to get to there. How do you, you, you mentioned that you have a lower price point entry, but is that because the consumer is asking for that or is it because the dispensary is demanding it? I mean, all of the above. I think that, you know, the, the challenge that we have, particularly in California with regulation, is that we're trying to get a lot of people who are not buying in the legal market to come over and, and pay the taxes to buy legal products. What differentiates us, Moxie, is like the only place that you're going to get our stuff is in legal shops. So unlike some of our competitors, we don't, we don't do that. We're not selling into unlicensed shops, right? So you've got customers who are already, I mean... Yeah, we're trying to bring them into new shops where they have to go drive because, you know, you've looked at the map. There's and not, pay taxes not legal. and everything else. Yeah, I mean, it's all those things, right? Um, you know, it, it, there's challenges. So, like, price point price point is an issue um, in California in certain places. However, I just got back from Vegas, and we just launched the Dart Vaporizer up there at Showgrow, and I'm watching busload after busload of tourists get – taken to like show grow and planet 13 where they're happily paying a hundred dollars a gram for a vape cartridge for a, for a distillate cartridge. Right. Because it, and when I see that, I realize okay, California, we have our own, we have our own issues or whatever. But like, if you're going to look at the country as a whole, like the legal cannabis market is going to be massive. So the so, dart, talk you know, to me we, about the dart. I love the dart. So yeah. Yeah. So the dart, is, I mean, it's a big part of the reason why they brought me on. It was like, the, the end of last year, they'd made the decision that uh, we were going to be the first brand in California to roll out the Dart, which is C-Cell's new, C-Cell's new like uh, vape pod system. You know, I think it's going to replace the 510. What? The, Why wouldn't it, dude? How many of those of you? How many of those have you busted in your pocket or had it leak <laughs> out everywhere? You know. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was great. It got us to this point, but it was it's certainly time to move forward. And I mean, there are other. So I was terrified at first because when they brought me on, they're like, yeah, we're going to launch this new, we're going to launch our own vape system. We'll be the only person with, with, you know, a proprietary vape system. I'm like, oh shit, how are we going to do that? And then, you know, cause there was everything there's, you got packs, you got Steezy, you got plug play, you got all these other things coming on, but I spent some time with it. And, and the most important thing I did was I got on the internet and I started looking for not influencers, but people who's, I was trying to look for customer personas 
So like I ended up finding, you know, I was like, I need to go put this in the hands of people and see what they really think about it. Right. So once I started getting it to people, letting them try it and, and hearing them repeat the same things about it that we were thinking internally, I realized, okay, we have something here. This is definitely, it's way better vapor production. You know, the flavor is tremendous. It's just a better experience and it fits in your hand. You can palm it, um, you know, and the battery lasts, you know, I can finish three half grams between battery charges, right? Like it's, you know, it's just a, it's the next step. Right. And, um, yeah, once we started to get that feedback from customers, we knew that, okay, yeah, we got to put, we're going to make this a priority. And, um, I wish I would add more money to work with on the, on the marketing campaign for the dart launch. Um, but what I did was I had maybe 30 batteries and 60 or 70 pods. And I just got in the car and I drove around California smoking with people, taking pictures of it, letting them take pictures of it, letting them have their friends take pictures of it. And slowly we just started to create content about this thing. And it's, you know, it's funny. You can go back and like, you know, if you go look at uh, on our Instagram feeds uh, and stuff like that, you can kind of see the evolution of it. Um, but it's really just took on a life of itself. And it was just really putting it in people's hands and letting them try it. And the product really spoke for itself. When do you see the, the straight battery going away? The 510? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I even have when 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 I was working on the campaign for the Dart, like my my first tagline was "You'll never want a 510 again," you know, referring to the 510, the standard 510 thread vape battery, because to me, I wanted to kill it, and um, you know, and I I got a lot of resistance from people within the company, you know, because we it was ba- that's what all our vape sales were prior to Dart, right? <laughs> You want to, you're never going to want a 510 again. Well, we're selling all 510 cards. So it's like, well, oh, yeah, and and you you got to hope that the cut, you know, we, the industry's been flinging those batteries out for free for the better part of 2 years now and now you're asking somebody to get a different device and a different delivery agent with that C cell. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing and the thing that I've learned through this was that, you know, we we were smart. We we it wasn't like, hey, we're going to be the first brand on the C-Cell Dart. I just looked at it, and I was like, okay, that's the Moxie Dart. And we branded it as Moxie Dart. And um, and even though other brands are, are on the format now, people call it Moxie Dart. People, if they buy the other brand's oil, they'll still want to smoke it in the Moxie battery. Um, and I think that's, I mean, that's from the groundwork that we laid, just getting, like, real people to smoke it and talk about it early on. And uh, I, I'm, I've used the Dart, and I the delivery is so much better uh, when it comes to the quality and the taste of everything. And you're right, the charge time is ridiculous. It's at least a couple days. If, if you you know, it's not like when you have a normal battery in your pocket and you accidentally hit the 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 activator and you feel the thing warming up. <laughs> in your pants, you know, you're like, well, what is that? Oh, I just burned half my cart because I was leaning on the battery. It is a much more, I guess, conducive delivery agent. I mean, it's more discreet. It's everything. You don't have this big old long tube. Go ahead. There's no buttons. There's no settings. So you got no buttons, no settings. You don't need an app to use it. It's always ready to go. It's in your pocket. You pull it out, you hit it, you're on. And in that battery, I mean, I live with two of them on me at all times, and I don't charge my battery more than maybe every 10 days or two weeks. You know, I can't, I can't even finish half of a 510 cartridge without recharging oh, my battery. Oh, dude, I, sometimes same day you have to put that thing back on the charger. Yeah, no doubt. But, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, it's just, um, I mean, yeah, we're just really fortunate. It was, like, really good timing. It was a really smart decision by, you know, Jordan and uh, our CEO and the, and the management team here to come in on, on Dart early. They made that decision about a year ago. And, um, yeah, then, yeah, we started to ramp up marketing for it, like, in January and then dropped it in California in March. And, um, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's flying. So it you guys... Be, uh, I mean, back to, your early, back to your earlier question, like, in my mind, I would hope that in six months or a year we make dart. And then if we're going to make five ten cartridges at all, that we only make a gram that we don't make a half gram, uh, five ten anymore. Oh my gosh. You know, I think so dart and then supersize the five ten. Yeah. I think anybody out there that if you vape, I'm just going to give you a heads up right now. If you're vaping and you're not at least checking out this technology, you're probably wasting money because you're not able to get a full pull on that cart. That cart's always going to have residual and the C cell technology is, is next level. And so for me, 
I don't often do product endorsements on this, but I would tell people if you va- I vape. That's all day long. I'm vaping. I'm a, I prefer, and we'll talk. I'm going to ask you this question after I tell you. I I smoke flour at night, and if I'm fortunate enough to be able to be with friends and can chill and have nothing to do, I'll take bong hits. How do you, besides vaping all day, what are your other vehicles to consume cannabis? I mean, I I'm a bit of everything. I mean, I I dab. Um, I mean, my favorite thing in the world is probably like a great terpy live resin dab. That's you know that's at home when I'm chilling, relaxing at nighttime. Love to do that. Um, I smoke a lot of flour too. Um, I like joints. I like pre rolls. I like I like bowls. My my big thing now is we've got the same oil that's in the dart. It's our liquid moxie. We just started putting it in like one gram carb cap jars so you can dab it but i actually put it on flour so like i don't i don't smoke a bowl now without like a nice glob of liquid moxie on it so i got the flavors whatever i want the pina colada melon rack whatever i can just throw some flavors on my on my flour and it's a heavy heavy dose of thc and it just makes everything taste great no, it's, it's, I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, it used to be if you could find a little hash ball or you could find a little bit of keef, you'd sprinkle that on top. But I'm definitely a fan of, of enhancing the bong hitter and enhancing even the joint. I mean, like you said, to take it and just drizzle a little bit on the joint before you smoke it just adds that extra, little extra kick um, onto the end of it. Yeah, I mean, that's a trend. We're just seeing, like, every, every time I'm talking to people in – at dispensaries, like everybody's just talking about flavors. Even if they're just talking about cannabis, they're talking, or they're just talking about terps, you know, they're talking about flavors. So to offer flavor options for, you know, to add to your flower. Also for us, there's a lot of people that don't vape yet. There are people that don't vape. They don't, um, they don't dab, but they smoke flowers. So if I have a product, man, like I'm, that's where I see liquid moxie going. I see, I see a lot of people, I, I see people rolling backwards, just, you know, putting, you know, a quarter gram or half gram of liquid moxie in their, in their woods. So you know, I think that's where we're headed. I, you know, I want to pick that up on the other side of this question I'm going to ask you right now, but how does like people doing cups, uh, you guys have placed, we were in San Bernardino at the same time you guys were there. I work with Tommy, you know, and a couple other guys. And so, you know, if you don't attend a cup once in a while, you, you're kind of not really staying present. When you guys go out and participate with a cup, because next to flower, vape's got to be the most inhabited vertical in cannabis. How does one approach the cups, like whether they be high times, emerald cups, whatever they are, what is your guys' approach to that? And then how does that, how does winning a cup, which congratulations, by the way, how does that help your sales? Like how how do consumers react to that? Um, in terms of like, how do we approach the cups in terms of what submissions, what we're yeah, what? submissions, how you, how you, what value, you know, you can't half ass go out a cup or you're going to not really qualify. Oh, you have course. to, you have to put your best foot forward. How does a vape company make that decision? Well, I mean, we still, I mean, in all the cups we're in California, we're submitting concentrates too. So it's like, you know, we'll submit multiple, you know, we'll submit multiple things. It really in concentrates that stuff's all small batch so it's whatever fire exists at the moment (laughs) you know what's the what's the latest thing if we've got a certain product that really stands out that we're all excited about internally like you know we'll put that to the front of the line um you know with with dart um yeah so we submitted dart dart won the cup at kush stock and then it won it again at uh at high times here in southern california and that that was that was just huge it actually beat out one of our live resin entries so we had a live resin pen in there too, but the pina colada dart beat it. And and when that happens, and you guys are able to walk into dispensaries on the back of that, does that influence a buyer? Does that influence uh, the decision makers? And does it influence the, influence a consumer at the very end? And then how do you integrate that into your marketing? Well, I, it's um, I mean, other than just saying it all the time, <laughs> probably people are getting tired of hearing me say it. But no, it just it's. Well, I mean, marketing is in, in sales, it's storytelling. So this is, this is just a, another really interesting thing to add to the front end of our story. You know, did you, did you, Hey, have you tried the dart? We just won the cup for this. You know what I mean? And it just give it, it opens the door it, where somebody might not have, uh, 
my, you know, there are people that don't know about Moxie or they don't vape that I could say, Hey, did you hear this? This just won best vape and cartridge at the cannabis cup. It, it means something. So, um, I don't know. I just think it came at the right time. It was like right a couple months after we launched it, new technology. I'd say, I, I would say for certain that it, it offers some validation to all the, you know, all the things that we're doing and the content that we're creating. Now this is like, you know, an impartial party saying, yeah, you know, people vouching for it. Yeah, this is bomb. So I'll get off the horse after I ask this question. Does it, do you see sales lift or is it atmospheric, the, the cups? Let's put it, let's put it this way. I, I can't keep pina colada in stock. Right. I mean, that just makes you know, sense. Um, yeah. We're having, we're having, uh, you know, the, the dart launch was measured because we knew how much we knew that they were ramping up production. And so we were very slow. We only rolled it out. We started in 30 stores. I think we're in California. Now we're in, I don't know, maybe 60 or 70 stores. And we've got it in Pennsylvania and now in Vegas, but like we were slow to roll it out because we didn't want, we didn't want to have supply issues, but yeah, at this point with certain flavors and especially pina colada, like it sells as fast as we can fill it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's an awesome problem to have, but, uh, and it shouldn't be a problem again pretty soon. But, um, but yeah, I definitely saw a lift, lift from it for sure. And just, uh, I would just say even just the, the social conversation around Moxie, I think a lot of people started to take us seriously in vape um, in a big way just in the last month or so. Well, I do believe that vape has been a volatile market, you know, just standing in a Switzerland component, meaning, you know, I don't have a dog in the game when it comes to production or sales or distribution, but you know, it's a large chunk. I mean, just for the first time ever, flour is now equaling back out again with vape over the last couple quarters of sales. You know, you said something early on um, that I think was important because a lot of people will don't always feel the same way you do. And it was about bud tenders. You know, it's, it's a controversial term in this space, not because of the term bud tender, but because how brands look at bud tenders or customers look at bud tenders or so-called experts look at bud tenders. You guys take a different approach with the bud tender. Why don't you talk a little bit about how you guys like, you know, work with them through them, support them. Yeah. I mean, the bud tender is the biggest influencer in cannabis, you know, like when you walk in, anytime I walk into a store and I've, I've been shopping in stores for 10 years and smoking for 30 years. The first thing I do is I sit and I, I ask them what they're into right now and what they're smoking. You know, I'll take my cues from them. Um, you know, and I'm a connoisseur. You think about the new customer who doesn't know anything. The butt tender is their guide and the butt tender, their preferences and their, what the customer is going to know about cannabis is what your butt tender knows. So we recognize that and we wanted to provide them, well, we created a thing called Team Moxie. Um, we started initially as like a, a, a bud tender education program. So we signed we signed the bud tenders up. They can go and they watch videos. I've got, I don't know, 12 or 15 videos in there about our products. They can answer questions. Um, it's gamified, so they get points, and they can redeem the points for merchandise and, uh, and things like that. There are, and we also allow them to buy at our friends and family pricing. So if they want to go and, and enjoy our products, they can buy them at the same price that I can. So we figured if we did, if we did that, that would be like an excellent bridge into the bud tender community. And the reaction has been crazy. We have like over 1200 bud tenders in California in the program. We just gave away like a trip to Hawaii for, uh, to incentivize them over a 420 weekend. And, um, and the number one question I get asked is when are you guys making more videos? When are you making more videos? So I think it's been great. Um, and so I'm actually revamping it. I'm going to go rebuild the entire thing. Um, with all the learning over the last six months, but it's, it's just community. And we, we involve them. We, anytime that they post something on Instagram, if they, they post a story, we go and we share it and we'll tag them in their store in it. It's real simple stuff. I mean, th this goes back to like music marketing 20 years ago, CDs, right? It was like, everything was, was a flyer and it was tagging retail. Like anything we did marketing wise had to tie, you know, had to tie back to retail. And I just used Instagram that same way. I just, I just totally, uh, I just totally went sideways on you, but, um, no, you didn't No, That's yeah. exactly the answer I needed, uh, you know, and well needed, I wanted to, you know, have you portray because look, most people talk mad shit on butt tenders. Most of them don't have a lot of respect 
for bud tenders. Uh, and let's face it, there's a shortage of good bud tenders and good ambassadors that can actually speak to the brand. So when you're able to have a communication touch point, like I think it's phenomenal that you're doing bud tender education and that you're integrating their voice as well as rewarding them both in the ability to purchase at a discount as well as, Hey, if you really outperform, then, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and bonus you and send you on a trip. I mean, those are the, those are, unfortunately, those are surf and skate technology points that we used to do. Like I remember selling wetsuits. Like if I sold a certain amount of wetsuits for a company, bingo, bango, I was at the triple crown, you know, during the contest in Hawaii, you know? And so humans work yeah, best. Yeah, bro, this is core. Like this is cannabis. You just said it right there, right? Cannabis in, in action sports. This is core. Right now we're in core stores. We're not, we don't have target of cannabis yet. So it's like we have to, it's those people on the front lines at those core stores, the, the key bud tenders there, those are the most important people in the business. So when like you're, that's where we have to focus our efforts. No, 110%, man, 110%. I mean, I think what you're doing, I wish more, I mean, it's the reason why brands are failing sometimes is because there's no connecting, there's no connective tissue to your bud tender. I mean, if, if, if you're not oh, educating. Did, uh, yeah. It's like, we have to provide them. Yeah. It, for, if people want to say bad things about bud tenders, it's just like, it, it's like, well, what do you expect? Like how much can somebody know when they've got, you know, I don't know, 1500 SKUs in the building. Um, how, how much of an expert can you be on 1500 products when they pay you 12 bucks an hour? Right. Well, also <laughs> it's impossible. Also you have the dispense. <laughs> so it's like, what can we do? Like, what resources can we give them to make them excited and make them want to learn about our product? So that was, that was just the approach. But I think a lot of people, yeah, you're right. They, they, I don't know. They, they'll just try to buy the butt tender. They'll try to pay them spiffs. You give people, you know, free shit. They don't care anymore. It doesn't have any value, but if you build a relationship with them and it's two way and you care about what they think, then they start to care about what you're talking about. Brand equity. It's not easy. Yeah, it's, 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 the, it's the hard road. You know, and I understand how some people right now where everybody's trying to scale at light speed might want to just take their eye off, the, off those things and try to buy it. But like, you know, I don't, I'm glad we're not doing it that way. How do you see the space evolving? Like what, it's going really fast, you know, like, and I don't mean product testing, all that stuff. I mean, like for you guys, example, you're, you're in California, Pennsylvania and Vegas or Nevada now. Arizona, yeah, Arizona and Nevada. So we're in four states now. We'll probably be in eight by the end of the year. I mean, that's it. We're becoming a national brand state by state. So that's, I mean, that's happening. And you guys have um, been, you guys are in Michigan? Yeah, we're, yes, we're, we'll, we'll be back in Michigan soon. Right. Michigan uh, went on and then it went off. legal situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's just, yeah. I mean, everybody, the states are all figuring out how this stuff's going to work. And while, you know, and we're investing heavily in, in, in the states that kind of have that figured out. What is your uh, take on these other states? Easier to do business with? Harder to do business with? I mean, they're all, they all have their, uh, it's the wild west everywhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, um, I mean, there's, there's certain challenges in, in every market. And it's, I mean, it's just like doing business in a different market in any industry. You know, they're, you're dealing with, you know, you go to Arizona and the brands that are in Arizona, like they've already devalued vape products. Like they do BOGOs all the time. Like it became like a race to the bottom. Nobody created equity. So it's like, I'm trying to go into a market and sell a premium product when everybody's just looking for the buy one, get one. It's like, uh, well, we have some education to do and it's going to be a little slower here because we have to go in and, and actually create value for the, for the category where everybody's been, you know, cause everybody's just trying to buy, buy shelf space, buy market share in hopes, you know, that they'll still be here in six months. Um, but where do I see the business going? Like looking at like how things are going in California, like, yeah, we're, we're moving towards more of like regional chains in retail, pay to play in certain cases. Um, and just like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, things, things are moving, things are moving forward and that, that presents its own challenges. Do you see Moxie expanding its product offering past 
what you're currently doing? Like, is there Moxie flour oh, on oh, the yeah. horizon? Yeah, I mean, we sell flour in, yeah, we'll, we'll do limited drops of flour in Pennsylvania. We've been, we'll do it eventually here in California. The um, exciting thing for us here has been our, our collaboration. So we'll collaborate with some of the best growers. So we'll go take a run from THC Design or The Village or any of these great, you know, cultivators and go run that, run that flower and put out collabs, which is exciting. But yeah, we'll have flower here. We have a full line of CBD. So we've got the, we have the dart vaporizer and then 10 flavors of CBD available for that. And we've got tinctures coming out. And then we've got, um, an MX sport line coming out with, uh, I don't know if I can amend, uh, I don't know if I can name it yet, but a very well known, ex-pro athlete is involved and uh, we've got a sport line coming out that'll be patches all, all kinds of uh, you know recovery and training gear for athletes um we'll be putting out flour we're we're going to be working doing some solventless extract stuff as well that's coming um we're i mean we're constantly evolving because we're constantly listening to the customer and as people as people are using products differently we will try to anticipate those needs and create new products for them CBD, you just mentioned it. What's your guys's? I mean, it seems like it's going to be bigger than THC and has less hurdles to get past. Tell me a little bit about. Yeah, there, tell us a little there bit are about still that. hurdles. Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, CB, yeah, CBD is all the rage. CBD is going to be huge, and we're ramping it up. So we'll be we'll be selling CBD nationally. Um, should hopefully be doing e-commerce on it soon at 1.2. And then also um, internationally, we have distribution uh, plans in place for Moxie CBD in Europe. I'm going to, you know, we're getting close to the hour. I want to, I want to give you enough time to really answer this next question because I think it's important because I think you have a lot of knowledge to bestow on people. What is your advice uh, to new brands coming up? People wanting to get in the space. I'm sure we both get asked that question considerably. I mean, my answer is always like, you can invest, you know, if, if you don't know what you want to do, but what is your advice to people and, and how do you guide people that ask you those questions? Well, it's, it's broad. If, if you're thinking about being a, be, creating a plant touching brand right now, um, you better get some really good financing because you're competing with, with all the big boys now. Like, I think, it, I think it's a very hard time to launch a brand. I would think that they're, you know, if you're trying to launch um, a testing facility, fantastic idea. You know, or you're trying to, you know, do some sort of ancillary businesses. But I think when you've got, if you're in a mature market like California or Oregon, Nevada, places like that, like to go in and launch a new brand when you've got all the big boys right there, you better have something really different. And if you don't, go go find a market that is undeveloped. Be the first person in, you know, in one of these smaller markets opening up. Um, I mean, there's, there's going to be tremendous opportunities. I, and I think, and the funny thing is, is that there's a lot of opportunities in the cannabis space that are not sort of creative or product focused. It's like, if you're, if you're great at operations, if you know how to run a factory or you're a great accountant, there's a cannabis job for you. You know, like that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest need we have right now is like, like today we got to go hire, hire like 15 packagers. That's so not a, yeah, and that's in not operations. indicative to cannabis. <laughs> that's just like packaging. Like, do you do this well? Yeah, uh, you know, right. Yeah, can you package? And you know, do you want to package cannabis? Okay, well, I don't know if anybody dreams of being a cannabis packager, but um, but I mean, that's where opportunities are. That's where jobs are being created right now. I I hundred percent agree um, with you. I, I tell people all the time, yeah. what do you do right now, and how does it apply? Are you solving a problem in the cannabis space? Because one thing we do have is a a shortage of intelligent humans that are self-driven and productive. No, yeah, absolutely. And I wasn't quite sure how I was going to fit in either. And I think like, as I've found my way, it's, it's been, yeah, it's, it's leveraging things that I've learned through doing deals, knowing how to deal with people, storytelling, copywriting. If you can write, there are not a lot of great writers in cannabis right now. <laughs> you know, like, it, so it's like, if you have certain talents, uh, you know, you're good at certain things. Um, also being able to be, to do a lot of different things, you know, it's like, I don't even really have a real job description, but I do social media, content creation, 
education, customer service, uh, influencer marketing, you know, retail marketing. If you can do, if you have a broad base of experience, you're, they're going to be interested in you. I always tell people they too. Need people who have experience. I always tell people as well that you have to be prepared to work long hours and, and travel and take phone calls on the weekends. This isn't a nine to five industry at the moment. So if you're not prepared to extend yourself to that level, then do yourself and everyone else a favor and just stick to what you're doing. Or you can be passive and, and just invest. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. You know, I, I work, I don't know. I don't count the hours, but I'm, I'm that type of person. I've always been an entrepreneur, you know, it's the first time I've had a boss in 18 years. So I'm just used to whatever I do. That's my life. That's, you know, that's it. So I do it all the time unless I'm eating or hanging out with my kids or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I work, I, I probably pull at least 60 hours a week. We all do. It's startup life. You know, it's like, how do you, we're, we're running a race right now to build, you know, the first great national or international cannabis brand. So that takes that amount of commitment. If you're not prepared to commit that like that, like, frankly, I don't want you here. I don't want to work with anybody who's not working as hard as I am. And I, you know, I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, but yeah, it's like cannabis is great. If you're ready to just go, if you want to make that your life and you're, and you, you're willing to, you know, there's not a ton of money there yet, but you see where it's going. Come on. Cause we need you, you know, but you got to hustle. Dude, this hour has been therapeutic. <laughs> it's nice to talk oh, to really? somebody. Yeah, man. It's nice to talk to somebody. So that's... Do I owe you a co? Do I owe you a copay? <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking at you all time. No, I owe you a copay, like bro. I owe you right. a, a copay. Um, I want well, to you... just. I think we should just meet up and smoke about it. I think that's probably the better way to do that. Where are you based? Are you in LA? Uh, yeah, I'm, I live in the Valley office in Woodland Hills. Okay, I'm, are you up north? I am. I'm in the Bay. And then I'll be back down. Um, I'm, I'll be back down in a week or so. I'll give you a shot. We'll get together and we'll smoke. Uh, sounds good, man. Do me a favor. I look forward to it. Thanks. Thanks so much. Absolutely. I want to give you a chance to kind of list out your social media handles that they can follow you by. And then I noticed on your website um, you can purchase. Is that something that does drive it back to a dispensary that's near you? I don't want to mention that's not ready yet. Okay. <laughs> Eventually right. that'll be for our retail delivery, but it's not there, but yeah, I can break down. Um, should I just run? Yep. Go, for, go it. for it. Yep. All right, cool. Um, Moxie, you can find us on our website is moxie710.com, but the parties happen on Instagram. It's, uh, at enjoy moxie or at enjoy moxie dart. And if you want to find me personally, um, LinkedIn, um, Josh Karchmer, uh, I think I'm just LinkedIn slash Karchmer, K-A-R-C-H-M-E-R, or Instagram, it's, uh, I'm at Josh.Karchmer, K-A-R-C-H-M-E-R. Dude, and, thank uh, you so much for the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, people that are listening to this right now, you just got a free lesson um, in how to build a cannabis business through storytelling and using boots on the ground mentality and social media and showing up to blow up as I used to say in the surf industry. So thank you, Josh. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Appreciate you. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this edition of cannabis karaoke, another kick-ass podcast about all things cannabis. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and our website, cannabiskaraoke.tv. And if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, please hit the book your interview button on the right. Cannabis Karaoke. Grab the mic and tell your story. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.